Okay, let's take our Bibles out. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. It says, beginning in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This last week, we were able to see some pretty amazing sights if you followed uh, the news at all. Uh, Israel has been bombarded by bombs being sent over from Hamas. And you can Google it online or, or watch a newscast, and many of them will show you videos of the Iron Dome. The Iron Dome is some technology that Israel has for being able to shoot down low-range missiles. But as you watch it, what happens is all these hundreds of things that get launched from different places, Israel is able to just shoot those things out of the sky. So it's pretty impressive to see over the over these cities these bombs coming in through the air and then something going up and just picking them off right up in the air and it looks like a bunch of squiggly jets flying around up there and then all of a sudden exploding. Now, if you can imagine living in a country smaller than the size of our state and having those kind of things happen over your neighborhood, I can't I just can't imagine what they're going through with that. But you know what? It's pretty awesome that they have that technology to be able to shoot down nearly every one of the missiles that are launched. They're safe from because they're able to just blow them right out of the sky. This iron dome, as they call it, just kind of forms a shield over their nation to protect them from those attacks. Well, at this point, as we study in the book of Ephesians, we find that God is telling us that we have the same thing. He uses it more in the the warfare and the weapons that were used in their days. They didn't have iron domes and things back then, but what they did have is they had flaming arrows and they had shields. Archers of your opposing enemies would often take arrows and wrap them in a cloth and dip them in pitch. They would light them on fire. They're dangerous if they hit you, obviously. They're also dangerous if they hit close because a lot of times when that would hit, that pitch would splatter off of those. So it's kind of like a grease fire, you know, that any, anybody that's around them has potential of getting at least some of it on them. Well, he uses that as a, an analogy of what we have. And he says, Satan is doing the same thing. He's sending these fiery arrows, these fiery darts at you. And God says, but you know what? I got you covered. You have within your disposal what you need to take care of those fiery darts. You have a shield. Back in those days, the Roman soldiers used two kinds of shields. One shield was a smaller shield, and it was about a two-foot diameter, and it was round. And those were used in hand-to-hand combat. You would put a shield, put your arm through the straps, and hold it with one arm. Kind of like if you picture Captain America and the shield that he has. But they would carry it in one hand and their sword in the other, and that way they could block and even use it to hit. But the other shield, and probably the shield that is more referenced here, was more to protect you from those archers. Those shields were about two and a half feet wide. They were about four and a half feet tall. And what you could do with those was often the armies would line their soldiers up in a row across, and they would get in a position so that their shields were actually touching each other. They would butt their shield together and then they'd move forward in that way. So then what they did is they had a kind of a whole wall 
their own primitive iron dome, if you will. They had this whole wall that was protecting them from those fiery darts and they could advance forward in the battlefield. And that's exactly what God, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, was telling those Ephesians and telling us today that we have at our disposal. We have our own shields. We have our own iron dome to protect us from the things that Satan would wield against us. And that protection comes in the realm of faith. God has promised both Old Testament and New that He is a shield to those who would trust in Him. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, it says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Psalm 18, he says, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for those who take refuge in Him. And that's what we want to consider this morning, is this shield that God has given us for our protection which is that shield of faith. Now, what exactly is that shield of faith? What does that consist of? Well, there are two different aspects of faith that we need to consider when we're looking at defining the Word. Because the Bible uses it in a couple different ways. Well, first of all, we recognize that faith has an aspect of devotion. It's a way of declaring your devotion or measuring your devotion to something. If you're saying you have faith in something, it means that you're, you're devoted to that, that you're trusting in that. And that's one of the ways that the Bible uses the word faith. It talks about our level of commitment, our level of devotion, our level of trust. It's faith. It's belief. In Ephesians, he does the same thing. Chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul was praying for these people. And he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. See, that time he uses faith to refer to their devotion to Christ, to their decision to follow Him. He says, from the moment I heard about your faith and your love, I began to pray for you. Also, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 are the popular Bible verses that talk about the salvation that we experience through the faith that we put in Jesus. Again, referring to it as a level of devotion. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And it's not of works so that no one can boast. Also in Ephesians chapter 3, in verses 11 through 13, he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. And so again, he refers to it that now we have access to God through our faith in Christ, our commitment to Christ. And then also in verses 16 and 17 of that same passage, it says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwells in our hearts through our Faith, obviously talking about our, our devotion to Him, our trust in Him. And so faith is a level of devotion. Faith is, is being able to hang in there when things are tough. 
Being able to stand strong. And in fact, remember, why do we have this armor of God? So that you can stand. Remember, he says that several times. So that you can stand. And having all to withstand. Now stand, therefore. He's making the point. You need to be able to stand. In order to do that, you need all of this armor. One of those aspects is a shield of faith. And what is faith? It's our devotion to Christ. It's our trust that He's got us. And that that's the best place for us to be in this life and in this world. But not only is it a devotion, it goes deeper than that. The second aspect of it is truth. Because faith is used in the Bible of not just measuring the level of devotion, but talking about the content of what our faith is. In other words, what we believe. We find that in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 1-6. through Remember, it was when He first made that switch from telling us everything that we were in Christ to telling us now this is how we live like children of God. And he says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why do we need to strive to maintain this unity of the Spirit in bond of peace? Because it rests upon a theological foundation. It rests on an understanding of who God is and specifically this about God. It says, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You see the point that he's making? He says there is one faith. Now what is he talking about? At this point, he's not really talking about our level of devotion. He's talking about the content of what we believe. And so what he's not saying with this passage is he's not saying that everything out there that labels itself Christian is Christian. And so we just need to make room for every idea that everybody that claims to be a Christian has. That is absolutely not the case. In fact, remember, we dealt with that a little bit in dealing with the Gospel. With the Gospel, he talked about those that were preaching another Gospel. Remember when he wrote to the Corinthian church? With the Galatian church, he referred to people that were believing a different Gospel. And he talked about people who would be preaching another gospel and preaching another Jesus. In other words, they're still using the same terms, but they're describing somebody that's very different than who Jesus was and what the gospel is. And so as we consider that, it's the same thing with faith. He says there is one genuine faith. And there's going to be a lot of false teachers out there, but that one genuine faith needs to be maintained. It's talking about the fundamental principles of the things that we believe. One of them is what is the nature of faith. We also see in Ephesians that he spent in the rest of chapter 4 talking about that at good length. Because remember, he talked about the leadership and the the structure of the church. And he said that he, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers. And we talked about before about how some of those were foundational gifts like the apostles and prophets. And then some of them were were ongoing gifts like the evangelists, which is more like the idea of what our missionaries are, our pastors and teachers, ongoing gifts to the church. And he says, but what is the reason? Why did God give us apostles and prophets in the beginning and now missionaries and pastors and teachers? He says the reason is to equip the saints. And remember, we talked about how saints is not some super category, some super Christian. It's everybody that believes in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you've been sanctified, set apart unto God, and you're a saint. So he said the pastors and teachers and missionaries are put in place to equip. In other words, give us the things that we need to be able to fulfill the ministry that God has for all of us. We're all ministers. 
He says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity, notice this, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's exactly why God structured the church the way that He did. And He gave it at the beginning, apostles and prophets, later missionaries, pastors, teachers, to teach us so that we can get into God's Word, which He tells us to rightly divide, and we can learn what we're still holding. What is the New Testament? It is the teaching of the apostles and prophets of that first generation. And now the pastors and teachers stand up and we study it and we expound on it and we continue to proclaim it because this is the faith. You see, faith is used to measure our commitment to God, but it's also used to describe the content of our faith or of our belief. The Bible says this is the faith. This is these truths that are in here. This is what makes up the faith that we are committed to. That's why you can't reduce us. There's a kind of a popular thing these days to try to kind of lump everybody in one category. Let's kind of go with the least common denominator and just call them all people of faith. Well, we're not just people of faith. We're people of the faith. I understand what they do in some context or why they're using it, but within this people of faith, there's Christians and there's Muslims and there's Jewish people and there's Jehovah's Witnesses and there's Mormons and there's about every flavor of anything religious that you can ever believe in. And if you think there's a unity to that, you're sadly mistaken. Those old coexist bumper stickers with all those religious symbols. Now, if they're saying we shouldn't be killing each other, I'm all in favor of that. But if you're saying that there's some way that we can all be one together, nah, that's just not true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. And every other religion out there contradicts that. And that right there cuts it right down. And there's so many other truths. And this is the... Faith. And so whether somebody else comes along using similar terminology, using the name Jesus, if they don't proclaim the truths of this, if they're not consistently loyal to this thing, then they're not really part of the faith. Now the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Ephesians, remember he continued with that. He says, it's so we can come to that unity of the faith. Otherwise, what's, what's the other opportunity? If we don't come and learn together and hold to the unity of the faith, hold to the reliability of Scripture, then what, what do we end up with? Well, he describes that afterwards. He says, "...so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth and the conduct in love, we are to grow up in every way to him, into Him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He says that's what we're looking for. That unity in the faith. Otherwise, we're tossed with the waves. We're blown around with the wind. We, go, we fall for every new teaching, every new fad that comes, comes along, comes through. We want to not be that. We want to be firmly grounded in the faith. Jude, in Jude's short little book, he starts out talking about how he rather would rather talk to him about something else. It's kind of kind of a cool start to a, a book and an epistle. But in Jude chapter one, and there's only one chapter in it, verses three and four, he says, "Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, so that's what he wanted to talk about." He said, "You know what? When I sat down to write to you guys, I wanted to write to you about our salvation that we share in common with one another, but it was not to be done." 
He says, I found it necessary to write appealing you to, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude could have been writing today. Because throughout the Christian church, you're seeing a, an onslaught of things being upheld and supported within so-called Christianity that is exactly what Jude describes here, sensuality and taking the grace of God into licentiousness. And Jude says, you know what, I wanted to write and just talk about the salvation that we experience one another. He says, but it's necessary. I'm seeing some things creep in here that are not part of the faith. Not consistent with the faith. And so I want to tell you that what you need to do is earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, those principles that were given to us by the Apostle Paul and and Jude and Peter and James and all these guys... Luke, Matthew, Mark, all these guys, John, when those things are challenged, we need to fight for those things. We need to contend for those things. Why? Because they make up what our faith is. You see, if you end up having a great level of devotion, but not to something that is accurate to the faith, it isn't going to do you any good. You see, the main thing about faith is what is your faith in? If I go put my faith in a chair that's all rickety and Dumps me on the ground. My faith did not keep me up. I point there because there used to be a couple kind of rickety chairs there. I just thought, they haven't been there for quite a while, but in my mind, I guess they're still there. But, but they're, in, in fact, you know, we, we had a whole bunch of these little oak, old oak chairs. They're really cool looking, but they weren't overly safe. So we just kind of decorated with them. We finally got them out of here because we were having a, I think if I remember right, it was a something special for Stapleton's, one of their anniversaries or something. And I told a couple people, look, set up chairs back there and stuff. If you need to set up more, go ahead. But do not set up these ones. They're not to be trusted. And uh, uh, one of the teenagers missed the memo or whatever and, and set up a couple of those chairs. And a lady came in, sat in the back in one of those chairs. And to this day, I still feel bad about it. Because she sat in that chair and was fine for just a minute or two. And then all of a sudden, boom. And she went down and that chair just busted to pieces. And a very crowded room. I felt horrible for her. And I rushed over there and, and she was headed out the door. And, and um, I apologized. I wasn't up here, obviously. I was trying to make sure everybody was comfortable and stuff. But uh, I apologized. And she just wanted nothing more than just to be out of there. She was embarrassed and I felt horrible. And and you know what? She saw that chair, trusted that chair, actually maybe trusted us for putting that chair there. But you know what? It was ill-founded faith that dropped her. A faith that is put in the wrong place is no good at all. Faith is not only our level of devotion, it is the things that we believe. It is those truths that make up what we are believing in. And so it's incredibly... Important. So that's what faith boils down to. If we look at those two aspects, the Bible usually uses faith in one of those two ways. It's either measuring our level of devotion or talking about the actual content of the things that we believe. Now within this passage, talking about that faith, he gives us two keys that we find within this passage to making sure that we're using this shield of faith. The first key that we find in using it is consistency. It's consistency. Because notice what he says in the verse 16 right here. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In 
all circumstances. He doesn't say in some circumstances. Now remember, when we were talking about this armor up to this point, everything before now was things that you already have on. You would already have on your belt. You already would have on your breastplate of righteousness. The soldier would already have on his shoes, the preparation of the gospel of peace. But the shield would be something that they would take up. But he says, you know what, you're to take it up in every circumstance. In other words, we are to consistently live out that faith. Consistently be devoted to Christ. Consistently be devoted to the truths that we find revealed to us within the Word of God. Consistency is all the key. When I was watching these videos of all these missiles coming over aimed at Israel and all these other missiles blowing them out of the sky, I had a few different thoughts went through my mind. How well does it blow them up was one of them. Because uh, I think you don't want very big fragments falling from those things either. So hopefully hopefully it blows them up really well so everything's blown into very small pieces and so nobody gets hurt from those things. But the other thing that I thought of was, what if it misses one of them? You know, if it misses one of them, that could be catastrophic for somebody. You know, if, if I'm living in a place like that that has that kind of technology, I'm thankful for that technology but I'm also sure hoping that if it misses one of them, it's not missing the one that's aimed at my house. It's not missing the one that's going to land on the roof over my kid's bedroom. Because that could be fatal. You see, consistency is all that... It, it is really about the consistency. And that's exactly what he tells us. He's saying, look, keep your shield up. Faith is, is, is one of your protectors. Remember we talked about that a little bit before, about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is a protector from weapons and things that would hit you in the chest. The, the, um, and, and last week with, uh, with Club Jam and youth group, as, as uh, Officer Jim Kennedy came and spent time with us, he let all the kids see his and even hold his bulletproof vest to see how heavy it was. And he took out the plate that's inside and showed us the plate that gets worn over their, over their chest, over their vital areas. And... Um, and that's, that's there to protect you. The shield's the same thing. It protects you. He's saying, look, in, there should not be any area in our life that, we, that our faith is not dominant in. It should be dominant in our life no matter where we at are and no matter what we're doing. It should be dominant in the workplace. It should be dominant in, in school. It should be dominant when we're spending time with our friends. It should be dominant all the time. He says that consistency is what's important. Always be living that out. You know, I remember when I was in college uh, in a psychology class, uh, one of the things that we talked about at one time was we talked about people's experience in their schooling. And we were talking about what it... Because uh, dealing with a lot of Christian young people, obviously it was a Bible college, and uh, so you got a lot of people that were are there, most of the people that are there that are like brought up in church and stuff like that. And some of them, many of them went to Christian schools. Uh, some of them were homeschooled. Some of them went to public schools. And, and he was just like saying, well, what was your, what was your experience? And I remember one person was kind of interesting, stood out to me because they're, they went to a public school until they were like in their teenage years. And at some point in their teenage years, their parents took them out of public school and put them in a private Christian school. And they said, you know, I was pretty strong in my faith in in the public school. I I stood out. I was different. I was okay with that. My friends knew that I was a Christian and what I stood for, and I I I was pretty good at living for God. He says, "You know what happened?" He says, "I got put in a Christian school, and this is just one person's experience. It doesn't 
really say anything about either of the school systems, actually. But he says, I got put in the... I got put in a Christian school and he says, you know what? I ended up drifting away from the Lord. I wandered away from the Lord. And the teacher was like, well, why do you think you did that? Why do you think you drifted from the Lord? And he said, you know what? I let my guard down. He said, when I went to, when I went to public school, I knew that that school wasn't there to support my faith and it wasn't going to encourage me necessarily in my belief. It has a different purpose. And I knew that I was going to be around other people that believe differently than I do. And so I always had my guard up. He said, you know what? When I went to the Christian school, I thought, well, now I'm going to be with a whole bunch of people that just believe the way I do. And they're going to be living the way I do. And they're going to be, it's going to be great. And that is part of the purpose of the Christian school. But you know what he said? He said, I got in there and he says, you know what I found out? I says, there were people within the Christian school that were living like some of the people in the public schools. But my guard wasn't up anymore. And I let it down, and pretty soon I was one of them. And so while I was living within the public school, I was living like a Christian. And when I lived in the Christian school, I kind of lived like a like an unbeliever. And then they straightened out their life at some point, got going back on the right track there. But but he said, you know what, it all came back to that one thing, just I let my guard down. You know what, there just really isn't any place that you should not be holding up your faith as your shield in living out your faith whether you're surrounded by Christians, whether you're surrounded by unbelievers or even atheists. The shield of faith up at all times. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, he says, Be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Be firm in the faith. Another word that Jesus uses for us often, watchful, meaning always ready, always alert. We need to always be living out that faith. Consistency is one of the keys. The second key that we find, though, is a very encouraging one. It's sufficiency. Sufficiency, because the passage says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I love that word, all. All of them. How many of Satan's darts that he has, that he's aimed at you, that he's shooting at you, how many of them can you be protected from by the shield of faith? All of them. Every last one of them. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. But you think about it, if, if, if we have Satan attacking and, and we're gonna, if God said, well, Paul said, well, maybe 80-20. Well, (laughs) not quite so encouraging. That's still a good number. That was a B where I went to school, in high school. But, uh, not so good. 70-30? That was still a C, but uh, the Apostle Paul says, how many, of your, how many of those darts that Satan hurls at you that comes in you in many forms, through doubts, through temptations, through many forms, and he doesn't really focus on the forms. He says, how many of those darts can be taken out with your shield? All of them. The thing is, we've got to not drop our shield. We've got to live this life in faith. It's not just about choosing Christ in faith. It's the just shall live by faith. It's about walking in that faith. Now, as we consider these things, all these things work together to help give us the victory, to make it so we can stand. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, he says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So there you see both things. You see our level of devotion, our faith, and what is that faith? Believing part of the content that Jesus is the Son of God. But notice it's all tied to that one thing. He says, we who do that, we overcome the world. The world doesn't overcome us. We overcome. How do we overcome? Through our faith. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Ephesians. Through our faith, along with the belt of truth, along with the breastplate of righteousness, along with the the shoes that are the preparation of the gospel of peace, with our faith, we stand. Our Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for all that You've given us to be able to stand. And we're also thankful even for the struggle, Lord, that in this walk that we have with You that we've been learning about in the book of Ephesians, within this walk there are times where we really have to take a stand. And we're thankful for for in that that You've given us all the armor of God. You haven't given us just part of it. You've given us all of it. And that with all of that we will be able to stand.